Duke's mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it, too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Duke's is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Duke's. It's got twang. This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt. And welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're broadcasting from the Juice Strikes Back Beer Festival. We are in Chambly, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Mostly Atlanta here, right? Yeah, it's pretty Atlanta. It's, yeah. it's ITP, right? This Our, is ITP. This is officially ITP. ITP. We are safely inside the perimeter. Inside the perimeter. So it's lively here. It's lively here this week. There's uh, lots of people here enjoying this beer festival. Uh, we're going to talk to a few of the breweries that are here this week, Brian. We are going to have uh, Barrel Culture on. We are going to talk to Unani and Hubbard's Cave. And then we'll talk to the guys from Modern Hops. They're the ones putting on this festival. And uh, we'll get the scoop. This is a charity event. It is, yeah. With this is a charity event, so we'll see what charity is supporting and what this fest is all about, Brian. That sounds very exciting. So I have on my list Paul Wasman, who is the head brewer from Barrel Culture. We've had a chance to sample some of those beers. I've been quite impressed with those. We also have, as you said, the Jer- uh, Jerry Nelson, excuse me, the founder and head brewer from Unani and Hubbard's Cave. And we'll find out what the deal is with Unani slash Hubbard's Cave, because that's been a mystery to me. I suspect it may have been a mystery to other people, too. Or maybe just me. It'd be interesting to, to get the story told. Sure. And, of course, as you said, the Modern Hops guys. And we're going to talk about juicy beers because this is all about juice today, Tim. And, you know, I'm a little disappointed that there is not au jus here. I want a fountain of au jus and French dip around it. So it can be the day of au jus as well as the day of juice. The jus strikes back? Yes, the au jus strikes back. I'm being very careful in the way that I pronounce that. I, You know, I realize that there's ways of saying that that could come off very effectively. Offensively, if you're not careful. But a nice French dip would go really great with a lot of these beers. Yes, it's 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 brilliant. I think it needs to happen. A fountain like a chocolate fountain, but with au jus, right? I don't know. I, I don't know. If the, is that a good idea? Everybody grab a sandwich and just dip it in the fountain as you walk by. You know, it's between beers. Was it uh, was it Ricky Bobby that had a nacho fountain at his? Or was that was it Cal Naughton as his buddy? Oh, I can't when remember. When he married Ricky Bobby's wife, I think he had a nacho fountain at his wedding. Which well, I imagine you priorities. would be on board with as well, right? Oh, absolutely. It needs to have little bits of, uh, like, jalapeno flakes floating through it, like... 
make, making the way through, like, uh, you know, uh, the, the Venetian in uh, Las Vegas, just the little little rivers of nacho cheese with little boats of uh, jalapenos floating in you it. You know, it's a little early in the show for us to be this far off the rails already. Well, I have sampled a few beers, so, yeah. <laughs> Becky Smalls is with us. Smalls, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I, I love these type of festivals. I get to try so many different types of beers. I'm sipping on a, what was it, the Triple Berry Mead? Triple Berry Mead. That's be just behind us. And I keep going back to that one, and he keeps giving me these little baby pours. I'm like, nah, man, fill it up because I'm lazy. I don't want to keep walking over there. Fill it up. You know, that one was recommended to me, and I'm not I'm not big on meads. I've tried a lot of them. I've tried a lot that are supposed to be highly regarded, highly rated, and they just don't do anything for me. That was really tasty. This one reminds me of the cherry wine that we had at the Shelton Brothers Fest. Frederick Stahl. Oh, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that one, but I do buy a bottle or two once a year of that one. It's, it's so It just drinks way too smooth, and then you look at the percentage of it, the ABV on it, and you're like, oh, Lord, yeah, I'm going to feel this the next day, but it's good. You know, this is the juice strikes back, it is. Brian, which would indicate that the juice has struck before. Or it was struck. The juice was struck, and now it is it's returning back. Yes. the favor. Okay, yes. yes, I get right. So right. it's been struck. Now it's striking back. Well, I struck the juice last year a little bit at the day of you the juice. You did. And we got a little bamboozled here this year because we were set up right next to a booth that has an Old Nation M43 tap handle. And we got excited because those of you that enjoyed the festival with us last year, we were set up next to the Old Nation booth with M43 port, and that was about the first time that that had made an appearance in Georgia. And as things started winding down, we were able to enjoy it several pours quite freely. And we had we had a very nice time drinking import M43, so we were excited to be next to it again. But really, no, just uh, Sand City's on there instead, and also a tasty beer. But, you know, a, a confession from last year's show, Brian. Hey, what's that, Tim? So we talked with Finback and Idle Hounds, and after we taped the Idle Hounds segment, we found out that we the file was corrupt. We lost their interview, but we did not find that out until about two hours after we had thought we finished taping the show. So what we had been doing during that two hours was drinking beer. So and and the Idle Hounds guys had also been drinking beer. So we all got back together to record the segment again. And if you heard last year's show and that segment sounded like a bunch of intoxicated people trying their absolute best not to sound intoxicated, that would be because that is exactly what that was. <laughs> it was like the eighth segment. It was. It was. But we pulled it off. We got it together. We had a really good time there. Uh, this is one of my favorite festivals in, in Georgia and Atlanta and really all around because they just have a phenomenal list of beers, a phenomenal list of breweries, and uh, some good stuff, Brian. If if uh, it was already high on my list and then I saw they had a station dedicated to slow pour pilsners and lagers, and I'm drinking one of those now. I'm sipping the last of one of them now, and I'm so excited about that. I love that they did that. That's that's so trendy right now. That's, that's so hot right now. That is our current uh, our current passion and excitement. Yes. Slow pour pills. Yes, 
boss pours no. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I feel like we should put that as a, as a poll on our website or on Facebook. What what do the viewers think? What, do, what, what are their what opinions? Yeah. And the boss pour. I want to get Say my, no to the boss pour. My mission will be complete if I go on Twitter and I see the trending hashtags as ban one of those as ban the boss pour. <laughs> so I'm going nice. to work on that. Wish me luck. So, so the boss pour is right up to the, the, the lip of the cup, but the slow pour is actually over the lip of the cup. It's like taking it to the next level, Tim. But you're okay with that. I think somebody messed up pouring. And they're like, no, I'm going to go with it. This is the boss pour. This is how I pour it. And then it just, yeah, just took off. Like a boss is exactly the way someone who's had too much to drink <laughs> would, would, would want to yeah. pour the beers. Indeed, so. indeed. So, Brian, for the beers this week, lots of great stuff happening here this week. Uh, a few that I'm excited for, Brian, some that I've actually already got into. Uh, of course, as you mentioned, the Blue Pants Brewery out of Alabama, their Pilsner is on slow pour here. I've already got into that slow pour action. Also, the Barrel Culture Pie Time Batch Number 1, which is a fruit pie wild ale. Graham cracker notes, crusty notes, mixed fruits and berries. I was just drinking that, and I actually had it twice. Second time, it really hit me how much that smells like a slice of pie. I got the crust, too. And I'm like, wow. When you, when that happens, when you smell crust in a beer and it's th supposed to be there, that's that's fantastic. Did uh, That's kind of like, remember the, the pumpkin ale we brewed back when we brewed beers? We got that. That one time that it came out fantastic, you could taste the crust in the beer there. So before it, that was the next year. We could not recreate that. We got lucky and made one phenomenal batch. I still blame the uh, the extract that we used. It was a change from one year to the next, and I think that as time went on, we found out that that was a common complaint about it. Got those so, bubble gummy notes. Yes, in there, we got we got uh, sabotage by bad extract. What and else, then, Tim? And then the Heaven and L has one on called Orange Sunrise, which is a Dreamsicle beer, and I just got to try all the Dreamsicle beers. Did you say you had that one? I already? haven't had that one. Yet. I've been looking I'll have for to get it. Out yeah. There. So that's a. Uh, how about you, Brian? What have you had so far that you liked, or what's exciting to you? So I was sipping around, and I had to make sure I tried some of the beers from the people we'll be talking to. I had the Unani Le Grand. Mond. What a beautiful berry uh, aroma that has. It's such a tasty beer. That's really nice. Um, and the Hubbard's Cave Fresh One Hop Citra. And, I mean, you can't go wrong with Citra, you know, in an IPA. That's just kind of my jam. It's well made. Really nicely done. Um, yeah. And I also did have the uh, Barrel Culture Erosion Theories, which, as I recall, I believe is peach and apricot together. And that was also quite nice. Plenty more for us to get into. It's going to be a good time. Well, you're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We need to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. And we're going to talk with Barrel Culture. This is Mark Logos with Old Nation Brewing Company. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Craft beer forged with a reverence for tradition and new styles that start a revolution. Ironmonger Brewing. The brewers at Ironmonger Brewing pride themselves at being masters of barrel-aged, hoppy, and sour beers. They invite you to their tap room in Marietta, Georgia to taste and see. Also visit their barrel room for an intimate drinking experience with great live entertainment. Keep up to date on all things Ironmonger by liking them on Facebook. Ironmonger Brewing. Establishing a new standard in craft beer. 
As a brewery owner or taproom manager, are you looking for ways to enhance your customer experience while maximizing your revenues? Craft Cellar is a mobile solution that helps your brewery drive sales and attract new customers through online pre-sales for beer releases, events, and memberships. Get details now at craftseller.com. Mention Beer Guys Radio after sign up and extend your free trial to a full 30 days. Remember, craftseller.com, C-R-A-F-T-C-E-L-L-R.com. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, I'm sure I'd feel much worse if I weren't under such heavy sedation. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you miss an episode, don't worry. All episodes are available as a podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and never miss a show. We are talking to Paul Wasmond from Barrel Culture at the Juice Strikes Back Festival. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. It's great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me on. Man, we are sipping some of your beers right now, and we could run our mouths about them, but we'll let you tell about what you're pouring today at the festival. Yeah, man, we got a couple. These are my first beers uh, that have come out since I joined the team over at Barrel Culture. So we got two American Wild Ales. Uh, the first is our the first entry in our new Erosion Theories line. Uh, it is peach and apricot. It is very juicy, designed to be very fruit forward. Uh, we want a lot more of those juicy stone fruit notes to come out of this beer. We use the most fruit in any beer we do in the Erosion Theories. Uh, this beer is very soft, but it's also very dry. It has a great mouthfeel to it. And we actually purposefully carbonate this beer a little bit lower than our normal offerings. And that helps bring out a lot more of that juicy mouthfeel character on it. So with the lower carb, if you pour this, will it still develop a head on it? Or is it going to stay? You can see a little bit of a head uh, as you rouse. But it's, and it's still on par with the carbonation standards for beer in the 90s and early 2000s it's the last like 10 15 years we've learned all right we need to start bringing up our carb and you're going to bring out a lot more characteristics of beer but for a long time the standard in a lot of american craft beer with amber ale brown ale was around that carbonation level that's not that's not the first time i've heard that i've heard other uh sour like fruity softer beers lower carbonation i didn't realize that was a thing apparently it is now you know now Now you know know. so if you pour this with a lower carbonation should you still leave a little headspace or is it okay to fill to the very top of the glass uh you you will get what you pay for (laughs) okay all right there you go Tim is wanting you to talk badly about the boss pour slash the Iceman pour. The because boss pour. The you boss were unknowingly are... being tested, Paul. Yes. I apologize for that. So Did I pass? I think yeah. you did. I think, you know what? I guess he can because he avoided the he avoided answering, which will allow as a pass. Sidestep. No, there's a, so the boss pour, and I'll be brief on this. I've rambled enough, is filling the glass all the way to the top. And there's a lot of pics on Instagram now. I'm opposed. I, feel free to use my hashtag, ban the boss pour, and uh, we're trying to get this mission started Look i can't for my tell you how so. much i appreciate that as a brewer because it drives me insane i'm like hey that's a beautiful boss you have in your instagram photo it's now overflowing with beer uh so this is uh, these beers and the same thing with like hazy ipa some stouts as well uh that head retention is defined by so many different characteristics from anywhere from the oil content to the acidity uh, so this is a beer that will not keep a very lasting head uh, but I still will always not pour it up to the rim. There has to be an opportunity for aromatics to collect in that glass. Otherwise, I am actually cheapening your experience. PBR, let me top you off. 
No worries. Fill her yeah, up, right? Yeah. Boss pour a PBR. Boss pour PBR. Yeah. And like you said, there are beers that uh, that do still deliver their flavor without having a lot of carbonation to carry it. There's, oh, uh, absolutely. There's been a few stouts here, notably from uh, Sweetwater's Woodlands, that have been very low carb. And... And some people have complained about it. I think I still enjoy them just as much. I don't need it. It's just a... There's something to be said for a good motor oil thick stout. It doesn't need the carbonation. It, uh, the, the carbonation adds a little bit of a pop or a little bit of sharpness to it. Like the rich chocolate, uh, the r rich uh, coffee notes of it. You don't really need carbonation for that. It, right. It's it's beautiful it's as fine. it is. It'll it really fine. is. Yeah. So, Paul, big news for you guys. So you joined the team at Barrel Culture October. Is that right? Yeah, October. So, so they're fairly new with the crew. And a big change for you guys is I think it was just a couple of weeks ago you launched your clean beer program is that correct that is man a uh, long time coming but that was part of my entry into barrel culture was it was something i could offer to the brewery and the program as a whole but it's it's something we decided that was a direction we wanted to go with barrel culture uh, the first decision was we wanted to move into doing barrel aged stouts uh, barrel aged barley wine i'm a huge advocate uh, for what oak and bourbon and just overall spirit character can do in a lot of these beer styles. So that was somewhere I went with um, my last brewery. I started the barrel aging program there. Um, and then when that conversation came up at Barrel Culture, it was, okay, well, where's our limit? And it was like, oh, we don't we don't have one. We're just gonna keep growing with it. So we decided on a few core styles that we will kind of surround ourselves with. We're gonna be putting them out on draft and in cans over the next few months. And you should see our first uh, bottled barrel aged offerings out of our stout program by the end of the year how is the how has the reception been or is, is it out is there enough of it out there to gauge the reception because you're known you're not known for that you know no we're not known for that the reception has been good we have not it's not something we've been pushing or advertising very heavily it's something that we're we've been kind of phasing in and plan to phase in over the next few months nothing will change with sour and so our kind of thought process behind it with this kind of slower rollout is we want to let make sure people know sour is still our priority as of right now nothing is going to change in our fruited sour program we will grow it and we will diversify our sour offerings but the clean beer is just something you'll start seeing popping up over the next few months at our releases and I thought it was really interesting that Barrel Culture decided to start with sours and then go to clean beers, which is just the total madman's way to yeah. go about it, right? <laughs> so backwards. <laughs> um, yes and no. I mean, it's now, you know, how many breweries do we have in this country? You know, how many do we have in the state? What are you bringing that's new? You know, I think the days of opening a brewery and brewing an amber ale, a pale ale, and a brown ale and putting them on tap, I, I think those days... There's a case going to be made. Those days are over. So what do you do that's different? How do you define yourself? And what's your branding look like? Uh, you know, for Barrel Culture, it was they opened up and we're like, OK, we're going to be doing fruited sours very heavily. But no, it was a very conscious decision. I think it was a great decision. Uh, but I think there was always a plan to grow beyond um, that initial sour opening. Very good stuff. Man. So. All of your beers are fermented in oak. Will that apply to your clean clean beers as well? Uh, no, I do not plan on doing a oak fermented pilsner at this current time. Uh, I will. <laughs> it does sound I, intriguing. I've had quite a few, and they let me tell you about how lovely of an experience it is to drink a oak pilsner. Uh, no, so we are. I am actually a. I'm a big fan of stainless. So oak offers a lot to sour beer. It it offers a lot to beer in general. It can be used in a lot of applications and a lot of styles. 
Uh, however, I am also a very firm advocate um, for where it plays a role. So I start all of my beers in stainless. My beers then go to oak for a conditioning maturation time. I would say overall, uh, my beers will spend anywhere from, the sour beers will spend anywhere from like 85 to 98% of their time overall in oak. But they will start and finish in stainless. So for process reasons, control reasons, I can really uh, control the quality of the product better with the application of fruiting, etc., in stainless. We have a brewery here in Atlanta, previously Red Brick Brewing, now Atlanta Brewing Company, and they did an ESB that they fermented in a, was it a bourbon barrel or just an oak barrel, I Brian? believe it was a bourbon barrel. But yeah. then they did it on nitro. So a nitro ESB that had been fermented in oak. And, Magical. Uh, let me tell you. you. Absolutely. Little vanilla notes in the ESB that it put, and uh, it, was, it was magic. It was good stuff. It was delightful. And I think the most important question we have to ask ask you is superheroes which is your favorite <laughs> and what beer would they drink at barrel culture if they were to walk in whoa all right that uh that threw me for a little bit of a loop oh i added stuff to it oh did i did you? okay oh, yeah, yeah that wasn't on the sheet no so i'm a i grew up on power rangers uh power rangers were for me my heroes my role models my mom did not appreciate the karate that i dropped uh on in recess Neither did the other kids, and neither did I. I actually was on the receiving end of most of the karate. I used Power Rangers, actually, as a lot of my coding in the brewery. So a lot of my base uh, wart is named after a Power Ranger. Uh, I have a lot of stout, or I have a lot of uh, barrels, uh, and my tanks are all named after Power Rangers, awkwardly. So my favorite superhero is Spider-Man overall. Uh, I grew up a huge Spider-Man fan. I love Spider-Man. Um, if Spider-Man could have anything, I would pour him a glass of juice because he is 16 years old. Okay. My Spider-Man. We are going to have to have you back on because I imagine you got more stories to tell, right? I, I got a few. I got a few. Good deal. Awesome. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take a break, but we'll be back very soon. And we're going to talk to the crew from Modern Hops. Is your brewery or restaurant flooring looking a little worse for wear? Your foundation needs to be protected from heat, chemicals, and other contaminants. At the same time, you need something slip-resistant yet cleanable with soap and water. ResTech has been manufacturing poured-in-place flooring since 2002 and offers a variety of solutions for your facility's needs. If your floor needs a little TLC, stop by our booth at the Craft Brewers Conference in Denver or visit our website at ResTech.net. That's R-E-S-T-E-K.net. It's Brian and Tim, the beer guys. If you're like us, no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer. Which is why Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock and Alpharetta are always on our list. Tim, why do they call it Truck and Tap? Well, the tap part is easy, Brian. They've got 18 of them. As for the truck part, that's where it gets interesting. Truck and Tap features your favorite Atlanta area food trucks daily, so that way you're getting a different menu every day. Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and coming soon to Duluth in 2018. Truckandtap.com. Let them know that the beer guys sent you. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Now, back to the Beer Guys radio show. 
Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. I want to give a quick shout out to one of our great radio affiliates, WQEE 99 Rock the Key in Noonan, Georgia. Catch Beer Guys Radio on WQEE every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Now let's talk to uh, Modern Hops about the Juice Strikes Back, the guys that put this thing on. We have the crew from Modern Hops here. We have Michael Lowenberg. We have Philip Barnes here with us. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank Absolutely. you, Brian. We're drinking several of the beers that you have here right now. Uh, this is the, uh, the Juice Strikes Back. And as we discussed earlier in the show, it was either that uh, they were striking again or they had been struck. I think that the idea is if they strike back, back, it's because they were initially struck and they need retaliation. That is true. There we go. All right. The fun part is that we don't really know what it means either, so... As long as the as long as this festival is a good time, it doesn't matter. It right? sounds cool. But we were at your festival last year, the Day of the Juice, uh, which was something totally new for Atlanta. You guys brought in a lot of breweries that had never been here before, and I'm not sure anybody's ever tried to go that route. You know, we there's been times when certain breweries have debuted at a beer festival. Uh, but you guys bring in a lot that are just, uh, some of them just come in for the festival, correct? That's correct. Um, you know, we kind of, that's kind of what we want to do as a distributor in general and kind of was the game plan from day one to have a festival that brought in breweries that were not seen in Georgia, not around Georgia. Uh, we're beer traders. We're beer advocates. We're, we love beer. And we want to see, we want to bring the best stuff we can bring in Georgia. So how is that possible? Is it a, is it a matter of having an agreement where you don't commit them to long-term no, it's, things? It's, it's, a, it's a 30-day agreement with okay. all these breweries. Um, we register the brands for 30 days. We release them after 30 days, and we're done with that. So we, um, you know, we have a 30-day agreement with them, and that's it. And I'm sure that the idea is uh, at least some of them there will be relationships developed there that may blossom into something more. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, you guys are like do. the tender of beer distributors. The tender. <laughs> which is the, it, which is the good mat. swipe, left or right? I don't know. I think I it's a right tender. swipe. All right, I think it's right. right. We're, we're a right swipe. I mean, we got we got a, we got, we got some great breweries out of last year. We got uh, Old Nation out of last year, yeah, which is a phenomenal did. brewery. We saw Mark here earlier yeah, uh, with Old Nation. I remember so. last year, you guys had a case of cans over here. You mentioned earlier in the show, we we feel a little bamboozled, Michael. You didn't get a case this year. Well, that tap handle there says Old Nation M43, so we thought we thought we were uh, coming back here. Well, as we know by the spot we put you in, we did not have the foresight for that, let That's alone okay. putting you That's in the proper okay. location. But you could just a deliver good... a pallet of, of, of the, the bottles or the cans to us, and it'll just be fine. Just Hop, City, Hop City has lots, and I know you live very close to them. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a fun time. Sand City is pouring there, and we've chatted with them and have a good time. And break, Becky drank from the keg. Now, someone who doesn't know what I'm talking about probably pictures like a keg stand in this. No, this is where they unscrewed the top of the keg and uh, Becky actually... Oh yeah, they uh, Christian. Christian is a uh, crazy guy. So he was in the ice box yeah. earlier. Yeah, so he, he, we don't he, know he, what's going he, on there. He, he figured out how to get a euro keg that we did not have a coupler for into a water keg and tap it and then take the rest of it and pour it in people's glasses. Science. The MacGyver. The MacGyver of beer. The MacGyver of beer. But Christian's a good guy, so. 
Well, guys, we're here having fun. We're drinking beer. We're having a good time. But this is a charity event. Uh, what's the charity you guys are supporting? It is Georgia Transplant Foundation. It is really dear to our heart because uh, our partner, Eric, uh, had polycystic kidney uh, disease and four years ago had a transplant. And Georgia Transplant Foundation uh, was the people that organized the transplant, made sure it, got, it ran off correctly, made sure he got his kidney from another state, and it was... Um, it's really dear to our heart, and Rita Michaels is a great person. She's easy to work with, and that was kind of uh, why we stayed with Georgia Transplant Foundation. It's very cool. Um, so you guys are a beer distributor, and a lot of times beer distributors kind of have a bad name. What do you guys do differently that kind of sets you apart from your typical beer distributor? Well, I think this festival is a perfect example of what we do differently and why this, why we're able to pull this festival off is because of the parameters we put in place, which is all the way in favor of the brewers. You know, we, we want to work with small, independent, unique partners who can do awesome and amazing things. And although we don't need... Uh, a large volume of beer that changes the game and and that's really what it's based on is we can do small drops we can be quick about it we can have everything pre-sold and we don't depend um, on the system of, not for of production not for Goulet we don't depend on the system of production um, that larger distributors do and so we're able to be more nimble we're able to have a little bit more fun and we're able to do cool unique things like this and the contracts that we that we offer, if, if it's even necessary at all, a handshake is always good enough for us. But the contracts we offer are written highly in favor of the of the brewery and allow them to do what they need to do and make the moves they need to make. And we're here to support them and help build their brands. So. Well, that's we're going to be talking to Unani here in a minute, and we actually did chat with him a little bit before the festival, and he explained how having that that binding distributorship agreement really hurt his brewery. You know, so it's something if uh, if a business relationship isn't working out. You shouldn't be bound to it. Play no, it simple. no, it's, it's straight partnership. Um, you know, if, if if you don't want to be with us, we don't. We're not going to keep you with us. You know, we want to be with you. You we know, want to build that, brands. Yeah, we, we don't, don't want to collect we want, brands. No, and and, and we're gonna we're, we're gonna be we're gonna be very. Um, I don't. For some reason, there's they decided the exact place to there, cheer. There's a cheers happening right in the middle of our broadcast. You know, the thing is, you see the news stories, and people like to come up and talk to the live anchors. Well, we ask for even more trouble by going to a beer fest where everybody's worth. We're a couple hours in now. Everybody's had plenty to drink. Well, it's, yes. it's, it's a lot of our friends, and you see your friend, and yeah. you want to go mess with him. Oh, look, he's doing a live radio show. Let me go mess with him. Uh, Mr. Lowenberg, anybody who knows you is going to want to harass you. What is different this year at this festival than last year? Twice as many breweries. We brought in a arcade, a real live video arcade. We have more food options. Um, we kept the number of attendees, our tickets sold about the same, and we doubled the amount of beer. So not only is that dangerous, so we, but it's more fun. We had, four, we had 40 breweries last year. Uh, we have 70 plus this year. So it was... 
it, it, it's crazy compared to like last year. You've also this, got a retro arcade here. Yeah, retro arcade. There's a yeah. retro. I saw Centipede and Street Fighter right. Two. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's super cool. Coin operated free play, baby. And and the slowpoke personal station. And the slowpoke. Well, I already said that. That's good stuff. So man. the danger about the arcade is I might pay to get in, have one beer, and then spend the entire time in the retro arcade because no, I mean the, the arcade got a slow start, and because people were too busy drinking beer, and I walked in there, no one was playing the arcade yet. Now everyone's had a few no, beers. Yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 I was a little worried. I was like, guys. That's actually genius. Like, once they have a few in them and they're feeling it, they're like, now it's arcade time. Get out of the way. Play the arcade game. Good stuff, man. Well, no matter what you want to do, this at a beer festival, this has got it. There's food out back. There's tacos. There's some roll-up sandwiches. There's slow pork pills. Or there's stouts. There's juicy beers. There's an arcade, roadie rolls. So there's a, it's just a really great festival. We had a good time last year. We're having a good time this year. So most of the time when we have a brewer on, we ask if people want to know what's going on with your brewery, where do they follow that? But if we have a brewer listening that wants to get on the scene here in Georgia and they want to see if Modern Hops is the right fit for them, how do they get in touch with you guys? Just call myself Eric or Michael. That's right. All of yeah. our all of our emails are our name plus modernhops.com. So Michael, Philip, Eric, and Barrett. Feel free to reach out to us. And Websites also, modernhops.com. Yeah, modernhops. Facebook and Instagram are very active on social media, so feel free to send us a direct message or a private message, and we will respond shortly. We'd love to have you guys down here, make this festival bigger and better for next year. Good stuff, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We oh, appreciate thank you. it. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take a break, but we'll be back very soon. We're going to talk with Jerry Nelson from Unani and Hubbard's Cave. As a brewery owner or taproom manager, are you looking for ways to enhance your customer experience while maximizing your revenues? Craft Cellar is a mobile solution that helps your brewery drive sales and attract new customers through online pre-sales for beer releases, events, and memberships. Get details now at craftseller.com. Mention Beer Guys Radio after sign-up and extend your free trial to a full 30 days. Remember, craftseller.com, C-R-A-F-T-C-E-L-L-R.com. Is your brewery or restaurant flooring looking a little worse for wear? Your foundation needs to be protected from heat, chemicals, and other contaminants. At the same time, you need something slip-resistant yet cleanable with soap and water. ResTech has been manufacturing poured-in-place flooring since 2002 and offers a variety of solutions for your facility's needs. If your floor needs a little TLC, stop by our booth at the Craft Brewers Conference in Denver or visit our website at ResTech.net. That's R-E-S-T-E-K.net. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram now back to the beer guys radio show oh god here we go again dark alert welcome back to the beer guys radio show if you enjoy the show please consider supporting us on patreon just go to patreon.com slash beer guys patrons can get some cool perks like beer guys swag and commercial free episodes and now back to some hot brewfest talk with unani and hubbard's cave at the juice strikes back jerry nelson with unani hubbard's cave thank you for joining us today we do appreciate it yeah thanks for having me on absolutely uh we are drinking the beers that you're pouring today can you tell us a little bit about what you have on at the festival 
Yeah, we got uh, the Hubbard's Cave uh, One Hop Citra Double IPA. Uh, we, we we make this uh, super fresh, and we try to get it out to our distributors as soon as it's made. Uh, I think they brought this in about a week after we were able to uh, package it, which is about as uh, fast as you're going to get into a new market. Sure, yeah. It's tasting really good. That's what I'm drinking right now. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's got a little bit of oats, a little wheat, uh, a lot of lot of citra hops in it, and, um, you know, we ferment it with a kind of a hazy strain. But we do uh, sort. Of, we have a centrifuge, so we rough, kind of rough filter it. Tasty beer. This, and I'm drinking a little sour beer here. What have I got? Yeah, we've got uh, that one is Le Grand Mon 2018-12. That one was a. We had some barrel aged Creek, and we took some of that. And you know, at the end of the year, we always like to have like a dark, dark sour for our membership program. Uh, we also blend. So we took that and we were like, well, let's blend it with a little bit of a barrel aged. Uh, barrel-aged accident in Hubbard's Cave, which is our uh, Hubbard's Cave Imperial Stout, uh, just without any any adjuncts added into it. And then we um, topped it off with just a little bit of vanilla. So kind of got uh, sort of a cordial cherry uh, note to it. Um, and I think it tasted, turned out great. Very nice. I like it a lot. Absolutely. The, the cherry aroma in that's really, really nice. I really enjoyed that, the one I had my pour. Well, Jerry, something that confused me until recently, I'll admit, and I will give credit to the Chicago Tribune. They did a wonderful article on uh, your brewery there that uh, that we read as we were researching uh, for the show today. Uh, for a while, I was kind of uh, unsure on the separation of Una Nee and Hubbard's Cave. And when I'd ask somebody, they're just like, one's clean, one's sour, and that's all I'd hear. That would be it. So That's the easy way. That's the easy way, right? But you have a very interesting story, one of a perseverance, and I'm guessing a little bit of stubbornness. And roller coaster, yeah. Yeah, so uh, can you give us just a brief background of kind of how you ended up where you are and the difference in Unanee and Hubbard's Cave? Well, we started out as just Unanee, and um, initially uh, we were just we were focusing on Belgian-style beers, but we were trying to do a little bit of... Uh, you know, clean American um, IPAs. Uh, we didn't do a lot of stouts at that time when we first started in 2013. Um, so, but w w you know, we, we were doing a, a bunch of uh, beers under the Unine brand. It was mostly Saisons and um, Belgian Abbey style ales. And so that, uh, after about a year or so, we were not doing very well, like as far as like uh, as far as financially. We were, so we, we we decided to diversify, and we were we started getting into the sour ales, um, and, that, and that definitely helped us up, you know. And um, we at that at that time we were just distributor only, so we didn't have a tap room. We didn't self-distribute any of our beers, and that kind of that was another thing that you know, in hindsight, that hurt me. I really should have uh, probably thought about that a little bit more. After a little while, we we were also doing a, a one IPA called uh, Hop Surge under the Unine brand, and now a lot of people were kind of confused about like what if that was a sour beer, if that was a Belgian a Belgian IPA when they were drinking it, and uh, I had to c consistently uh, tell people that you know it was not a Belgian beer. Uh, so that kind of one of the reasons that we started the Hubbard's Cave brand. We we wanted to differentiate Belgian-style beers from what we were doing that were non-Belgian-style beers. So the Hubbard's Cave is a uh, focuses on stouts and IPAs. And if I if I remember correctly, that was also uh, a little bit of a way to allow you some freedom for uh, self-distribution on that brand. Correct. That was a, that was a way of. 
Yeah, I was having a little bit of trouble with my one of our distributors, and um, you know, I, uh, you know, it, they they own the rights to the brand Unane, so they did not own the rights to a new a new brand at that time. So we were able to kind of get around the system a little bit right there, and uh, you know, it um, you know caused some contention, but um, you know, I I was able to stay in business. So self-distribution uh, was was kind of key to being financially viable, right, for your brewery. Is that is that a correct statement? For somebody that didn't have a tap room, you cannot, uh, you, and you don't, and you're only relying on a distributor in your home market. If you don't have self-distribution, you're 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 almost dead. So, and I was many many times really close to being dead uh, in those first two years. So I mean I think if we had had a tap room and we were able to sell directly to the to customers, you know I was I don't I you know it, the distribution model was uh, probably hurting us, but it, it would have not caused us to be close to dead uh, you know a number of times. Yeah, and that's something that as as you, I think you know here in Georgia, our breweries can't self-distribute. So it's something we did just get direct sales a couple of years ago, and it's made a huge change for small breweries opening tap rooms and doing direct sales out of there. Because, like you said, when you're stuck to a distribution-only model and no tap room, no tap room sales, it's very hard to make any money under that. And I, there's a popular graphic that goes around that uses a beer bottle as sort of a, a pseudo pie chart that shows who gets what percentage of a dollar and I think it's the brewer gets eight cents of every dollar that goes into a beer if they're distributing that right yes I mean I think it was definitely it, I by choice I sort of uh, right off the bat chose essentially the Georgia model I had I didn't have a tap room I couldn't get one in the location that I was at and I, w I went with a distributor so I was I was going I was taking the lowest margin I could possibly get so yeah, it it, uh, it took took a while, but then I was like, well, I gotta I gotta try this other thing, or else I'm gonna be closing my doors. And you, you hung in there and made it work, though, right? Yeah, we did, and uh, you know, and then uh, about a, a year later, we were able to work on getting a tap room open. Uh, so we opened our tap room uh, early 2017. So about three and a half years after we opened our first, uh, poured our first beer. Perseverance. So I have a really important question. I need to know if Hubbard's Cave, if the name comes from a, a tunnel in Chicago or an endangered bat cave in Den Tennessee, because I mean, I, I will accept the answer both, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of rooting for endangered I bat haven't heard cave. Of the, I haven't heard of the bat cave at all, but uh, we were, we used to be right on Hubbard Street in Chicago. Uh, yeah. So we were right down this, the road from uh, the, there's an overpass uh, on the highway in Chicago called Hubbard's Cave. It was referred to as Hubbard's Cave. The trains overpass the, the, the road, uh, and it, there used to be a lot of accidents in it because they didn't have lighting. So they used to call it the Hubbard's Cave. It, it, people would drive in there, and it would go dark, and then their eyes would adjust, and they'd come into the light, and they couldn't see because it was so bright, and then they'd run Are into Are you guards. disappointed I was reading that about we that. didn't go into further endangered bat talk here? Yeah, there are two. In, so there's a cave in Tennessee, and it, I really want it to be named after that. There's two endangered bat species in that cave, and it's kind of a, it's it's some sort of ecological significant thing. And I'm like, oh my God, I hope it's named after this cave in Tennessee because that's amazing. Jerry, uh, Hubbard's, Hubbard Caves has some real interesting naming conventions on your beers. You've got V7, V23 and that. Can you kind of explain to us how that worked? Well, I, 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 I kind of look at a lot of our brands as more of a, 
we don't get into a lot of the crazy names. We don't want to do that. We we don't. Um, I don't know. I think that's fun for a lot of people. I think we 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 want our beers to speak for themselves. It's basically just on the on the taste and the aroma, basically. I really appreciate the uh, the forthcoming and the honesty honesty in uh, when I see it on tap. You show the uh, a lot a lot of times the fresh by date, and you show exactly which hops go into it. No extra no extra frills. And as a guy who enjoys beer, wants it fresh, I really like that. I can see in the name of the beer when it was fresh, when it was meant to be consumed. Right. I mean, we, and we. Only only put about a two-month window on our uh, our fresh by dates, so we don't. We want to try to have them. You know, we knew that as soon as we were getting into double IPAs, we wanted the people to be drinking them as quick as possible, and so we tell them when it was bottled and when it was uh, when you should be drinking it by. And you know, three months is really not a, a, the window that you should be drinking an IPA by. So much debate over that, but I agree. There's so many that after about that 30-day mark, you you can definitely tell a difference there. Sure enough. Well, Jerry, we're about to run out. We're actually going to eat some, I believe it's a sorbet made with your beer from a local uh, ice cream place, Butter and Cream. So we're going to try that and pair it up with your beer. That sounds good. But if people want to keep up with what is happening at Unani and Hubbard's Cave, what's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, we're doing a lot more Instagram these days. We're, I think that is the primary source. Uh, you know, we, we, we start off on Instagram and we bring it over to Facebook, the same post, essentially. So Instagram is our top, uh, you know, source for our knowledge. Excellent. Jerry, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Coming up next week, we're going to be at Tiny Palooza in Snellville, Georgia. That's a tradition for Beer Guys Radio Show. For more great craft beer info, follow us online. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers. The Beer Guys Radio Show on the Beer Guys Radio Network. BeerGuysRadio.com Duke's Mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, Your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Dukes is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Dukes. It's got twang.